We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Fine, no matter who we matched up against. I think, you know, I'd line up with those guys and play any team that's ever been out there. Yeah, you know, we, had, we, had, we had a great football team, and we had a lot of great guys. That's what, I think that's what people remember. We had a lot of fun together. You know, we worked our ass off. It wasn't it wasn't easy, <laughs> you know, playing for Coach Ditka. And uh, so we we did. We outworked people, but we also had a hell of a lot of fun. It's Molly and Hodge, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 The Score. Tom Thayer in for Molly today. That was the familiar voice of Jim McMahon, the quarterback on the 85 Bears. And we are talking all week, Tom, about the impact of head coaches on this Eagles team in the NFL on, in pro sports, we had a conversation with, with some people about, you know, in, in NBA, we're talking about Billy Donovan and what his impact is on the Bulls. You are here, so this is ideal to extend this conversation with your presence because our perception is one thing. You lived the reality. You had Mike Ditka as your head coach. And so the comparison was made early in the week when we were talking about Nick Sirianni being more of a fire and passion guy. A guy who, yeah, was an offensive coordinator, but what you when you think of him and the impact he's had on this Eagles team, the most vivid images are of him pumping his fist or getting in someone's face or mingling with fans, whatever the case may be. And it was, I thought, reminiscent, and this was meant more of a compliment as it, than it was a criticism, but it was reminiscent of, of Mike Ditka, a guy who in 85 and throughout his tenure was the fire and passion coach a guy who had a roster that was very difficult to mess up, supremely talented, very great depth, terrific dominance. And I, I just made the comparison the other day in terms of Nick Sirianni sort of is to Philadelphia and the Eagles what Mike Ditka was to Chicago and the Bears, not comparing their careers respectively necessarily, but their impact and maybe their styles. Is that a fair comparison in your mind? Did you see any similarities? Yeah, you know, we talked on Monday, and I talk about the word on the side of the Super Bowl ring by Mike Ditka, attitude, character, enthusiasm. And I think Nick Sirianni displays all of those things. He has got a great attitude. He has character because that's why it kind of spills over to the to the football players, offense, defense, and special teams. And he's got great enthusiasm, but it's serious enthusiasm like Mike, Dit- like Mike Ditka. Um, did my – might go off. Um, so, you know, and this is my experience. So when I went to the USFL uh, right out of college, I played for George Allen. And George Allen is a Hall of Fame NFL coach. In the second year, we went to the UFS, USFL championship game. And I kind of, you know, grew accustomed to George Allen's demeanor and what his influences was on a football team. And it was long practices. Don't let any detail become, you know, you have to, you know, unturn every stone that you got on there and stuff, whatever the, the saying is. 
But George Allen was different than Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka was an ex-player who had the same expectations for his players that that he put on himself. And George was a little different. He wanted everybody to be mentally prepared by the time the game started so that you could never be fooled in any way, shape, or form. But I love Ditka's personality. I And, I, and it was a, I had to change a lot from going to the USFL to the NFL because Mike Ditka brought it a little bit different seriousness to practice in the tempo of practice. And then you had to face the defense that you were facing and Buddy Ryan's influence on that defense. How much did Mike Ditka have to do with what play was called on any given Sunday? How much did he have to do with the game planning week to week? Because I do think that, again, our perception, my perception is that those kind of things were minimal contributions because I think what we have become uh, accustomed to doing is looking at just the emotional Char, emotionally charged head coach, and we see that, but we didn't see the things behind the scenes. So what was really going on behind the scenes? Well, two opposite ends of the spectrum. So you get to start the week in preparation for your opponent. Mike Dicka would get up there and kind of explain what we are thinking uh, according to you know Wednesday when we're installing the game plan, where their vulnerabilities lied, what could we do against these guys that were really give us the upper hand. And then he would let the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, take take over and start explaining the game plan. Our offensive line coach, Dick Stanfell, would take over the running game portion with the running backs included and kind of explain everything. And so then you went through your week of preparation and Mike Dick had got you ready to play. Mike Dick's biggest influence was after the game because he ran the project he ran the projector when you were watching tape together and he held back on nobody. And if you had a couple bad plays in a row or you had a bad series or you made a, a, a couple critical mistakes, he would make you feel it, hear it, and let everybody got every guy in that room understand his message. And so you better have thick skin. Accountability. Yes. And that was Mike Ditka's biggest influence was his accountability when he was running the game tape. But he also ran the projector during the course of the week of practice. So you couldn't go out there and have a, a lackluster practice or give a you know bad effort because he was still have the same criticism that he set aside for game that he, that he put in, in practices also. Based on your proximity to the Bears over the last, let's say, 20 years or so, the way the game has changed, the way coaches' roles have evolved, how often do you think that still happens in terms of the head coach after a game holding players accountable in that, in that kind of, I don't say, it's not a public setting, but it's a very – it's a very open setting with the team gathered, and I think there's nothing more powerful than getting called out in front of your teammates. Yeah. You know, and again, when you're in the whole with the whole football team, you know, Mike Dicka is not going to hold back on anybody. But when we did separate, we went offense and defense. I think Buddy Ryan treated his guys as aggressively as Mike Ditka did on the offensive side. That's why they were a great combo in terms of the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. So, um, you know, in – you know, Mike Ditka, everything that he said to every offensive player, he's it's the same, you know, the things that he did himself. So he's not asking us to do something that he didn't already do. And he was able to have a lot of success, a player as a Super Bowl and, a, and as an assistant coach. So you had to give all the respect in the world to Mike Ditka because, like I said, he's not asking you to do something you, you're not or you haven't already done. So when I was talking about the comparative rosters and how the Eagles, and I did reference you because you said when the Eagles came to town in December, it reminded you in terms of the completeness and depth 
of the 85 Bears. Right. And I think that – so I I asked the question when I was saying, if, if they're as dominant as the 85 Bears, then I wondered and, – and Molly asked me, so does that mean if Mike Ditka – if his role was more as, a, as an emotional guy or the guy who is the motivational guy, could anybody have coached that team? Could Buddy Ryan have coached that team and won the Super Bowl? And I quickly answered yes. I quickly answered yes, and maybe that doesn't give Mike Ditka the credit he deserved or had earned, but I just felt like the, the strength of that roster was so was such a big difference in terms of the teams that you played and beat that it did occur to me that maybe – Anybody could have been the head coach of that team, and the success would have been the same. You know, we should we should call Jay. We should call Jay Hilgenberg up, get him out of bed, and and because you know he has a you know a lot of good reference points to talk about this because he was there in '81 when Buddy Ryan was the defensive coordinator and Neil Armstrong was the head coach, and they were not a good football team, and they were not going in the right direction, and they needed a bigger influence out of the voice of the head coach who led the team meetings and and have everybody understood how important it was to him. So. You know, Buddy Ryan was a good coach, but he went on to coach the Philadelphia Eagles right after the Bears, and they probably had the most dominating defensive talent in the league. And they they didn't win. They didn't win playoff games. They did, I don't even know if they won the division that year. So I, I think Mike Ditka was the right man for the job, and he was the most influential on all three phases because he spent time in the special teams meeting, led the offensive meeting, and then Buddy did the defense. When you look at this year's Eagles team, ooh, in the Super Bowl, won the AFC, uh, NFC, has really steamrolled everybody in its in its path in the playoffs, outscoring opponents sixty nine to fourteen. How much of that, when you're assigning credit, do you give to Nick Sirianni, or do you just look at the roster? Because I do think that it's one of those things in Philadelphia. They don't care because they're winning, and when you win, nobody cares who gets the credit. But I think from the outside, it's interesting to look at how much of an impact the head coach has had on a roster that looks head and shoulders above everybody else. I think it's more the general manager putting together a roster that the head coach can have an impact on. Because if you brought in a roster of you know that didn't have the same qualifications that Philly does, then I I don't think they would be a you know Nick Sirianni is not going to be the 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 team changer. I think when mid season when you're bring, willing to bring in guys like Dominican Sue and they brought in another defensive lineman in a backup role, another marquee type name. But when you continue to bring all these pieces in place and then make the tra- trade for Brown, the receiver in, in the offseason, I, I think management has done enough to set up the head coach more so than the head coach is a major influence on this team. I think that you're talking about Linvel Joseph. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah Joseph. In, and I think when you they looked at those moves at the time they made them, it was just making a, a strength an even bigger strength. And that's right. what you do on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. You keep your strengths strengths. You address your weaknesses if you have them. And you put it all together and you have what I think is going to be the Super Bowl champion. But, you know, they bring in, they bring over Hassan Reddick. They, they draft the defensive lineman, you know, really high up in the draft. They already have Fletcher Cox there. So, I mean, this is a team that already had some stardom on it. And then they continue to bring in a couple of other guys in backup roles. So I want to get to the phone calls, but before we do, Tom, one uh, texter has a very good question from 773. In that context, talking about what we just described, uh, Mike Ditka's role and certainly the 85 championship, 
How disappointing was it then? Do we look at it differently now because it was only one championship? Do you think that that affects the way that we view maybe everything about that season? Well, I, I think after the season affects all of us. Unfortunately, we never had a healthy quarterback going in to the playoffs in the next four or five years. It was, um, you know, trying to juggle between Doug Flutie and Mike Tomzak and Steve Fuller, and then to see if McMahon was healthy enough to play. And the that was the wor- the worst thing to haunt us after all these years is the fact that we didn't have that quarterback that could. Um, you know, be healthy at the most important time of the year. And then we, when we were trying to shuffle quarterbacks at the last moment, it kind of derailed our whole team. Scored listener line is powered by BetQL. Beat, bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. 312-644-6767. Call and let us know what you want to talk about. We have a lot of callers who want to weigh in on the Bulls and Russell Westbrook. Let's start the conversation with Kevin, who is in Homewood. Kevin, welcome to the Mullen Haw Show. Hi, thanks for letting me uh, call in here. And I'm driving on the highway, so hopefully it's okay. Um, but uh, I'm, to point of reference, I'm in my 40s, and I saw the Bulls, you know, the, the dynasty years and everything since. And one thing I'm noticing with the team now versus all these other teams that are going through changes is that the Bulls always hold on to their team core to the point where it feels like you're reheating leftovers in the microwave and it just keeps getting more bland and worse and drier. And you look at a team like Phoenix who has great players, but they hit a bad rut this year and they immediately know how to retool and commit to, you know, the front office to allow them to bring in high caliber players. And obviously the Bulls team right now with DeMar and Zach and, and Booch, you know, they don't have the right chemistry to push us above. I mean, we can't even beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think it's just time for this team to recognize what other uh, pro, uh, prominent teams are doing in this league. If you can't get over the hump, sell off, build a future, and look at the draft picks like, like an Oklahoma City, like a Utah, like Minnesota – and, 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 you know, build for the future instead of constantly, you know, rehashing the same thing, whether it's other teams' leftovers or coaches. Kevin, thanks for the phone call. Good perspective. I don't know that AK at this stage is more likely to do that, though. I think he's more likely to dig in. If there's any inkling that they're interested in Russell Westbrook, they're not considering blowing it up. They're consider- considering making a run with the Nets out of the mix, maybe having Westbrook give them a spark, it doesn't seem like a front office that's behaving right now, at least giving hints that they're going to cash it in and hit reset. Well, you know, it's like Kevin said, you know, putting the the same leftovers back in the microwave, heating them up, and, you know, you still get a bland taste. And, you know, that's the thing about it is with Russell Westbrook, is he going to make the Bulls – organization is the bulls as a team the bull a destination where other players want to come to or is it going to still be an outside narrative of watching the expressions of russell westbrook to see how miserable he can make the bulls bench look or his time on the court you know and that's what the that's what the bear the bulls need to overcome is they need to try to create an atmosphere where players are are, are want to come to and, and that hasn't happened since the dynasty time. Let's go back to the phone lines. Nick is in Elmhurst. Nick, welcome to Mullen Haw. 
Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Uh, this uh, questions are for Tom Thayer. It's great to hear uh, someone who's kind of given us the insight on the Bears situation. Uh, first, Tom, who do you think uh, will win the Super Bowl and why? Uh, secondly, if the if you were the Bears GM, who would you pick in the first round and why? And third, the most important, uh, how long will it take polls learning on the job as a GM to turn the Bears team around? Thanks, Nick. Um, so I'm going to pick the Eagles. I've never shied away from that. I think they're going to be Kansas City outright, and I think that a lot of it will be because of the can or the Detroit, jeez, the Philly defensive line. And so that's that's my pick there. Um, you know, with the first with the pick they have this year with Ryan Poles, and I've always said this: I'm cha- I want to trade it for multiple picks. There's not one guy that so far looking at the the Senior Bowl or just the draft classes out there. There's not one guy that stands a head and shoulders above everybody else. That you know, even if. I had Justin and there was a quarterback that had the star quality. You'd have to consider it and to see what capital uh, you could raise if, if you had that type of option. So to me, I'm trying to take that first pick and turn it into four. And that, that would be my what I would be trying to do as a gym. And to me, Ryan Poles, I think Ryan Poles knows football. Mm-hmm. He understands the game. He understands where your important part of your team has to be in order to achieve the most success. He has a background as an offensive lineman, so I think you get a chance to understand defenses. You get to understand defensive linemen, and you get to understand offensive linemen most certainly. So I think Ryan Poles is, you know, he's he's going to learn every year on the job, but I think he knows enough about football to understand where the – uh, importance of the fo- improvement of this football team lie. Let's squeeze in Jerry, who is in Spring Grove. Jerry, welcome, Olin Haw. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Hey, um, I wanted to go down memory lane with Tommy, <laughs> and uh, I was building Jim McMahon's house, and every once in a while, Jim would bring out you, you, line, yep. you guys, the linemen, and it was close to the Christmas holiday, and I was up on the second floor, Joyce, and when you guys were coming upstairs, I said to Jim, hey, Jimmy, I didn't know you brought Santa, and, and you were wearing an all-red sweatsuit, and you were fit to be tied. You, were, you said, I got your Santa, and I just remembered that it was a pretty – for me, it was fun. I think if you would have caught me, it wouldn't have been fun, but I just, just see if you remembered that. You know, Nick, I actually have pictures of that day um, <laughs> with me and McMahon, and it's kind of funny you bring it up because I just recently was looking at him, and I was looking at 310 pounds stuffed into a red outfit, and it, it was <laughs> and after all three these ten? years. Yeah. You played at 310. Yeah. 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 My, my wow. junior year at Notre Dame, I played left tackle, and I played at about 315. Yeah. Not not pretty. Definitely not <laughs> not something you want to walk ho, around ho, the beach and right, but you know I, I you know talking about McMahon and the big home he built out in uh, Northbrook Northfield area. I spent a lot of time there because he had an indoor racquetball court, he had an indoor weight room, and so when we would spend time over there, it was always doing some type of activity. Tom picked the Eagles, and we'll talk to the Eagles reporter for WIP next when we come back on Mullen Hall at Chicago Sports Radio six seven the score.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sword in the air, sword on the ground. The plays that he can make. I'm just happy for him, man. I'm happy that he, he came out here, did his, did his work, silenced the haters. To put it best, I'm going to quote Lizzo. It's about damn time. Welcome back. Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tom Thayer in for Mully today. Time to go out to Arizona. Talking Super Bowl, talking Eagles, and all guests appear on the Score Hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that is where we find Elliott Shore Parks of WIP, covers the Eagles, and has been out in Arizona during the Super Bowl week. Good morning, Elliot. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us early in the morning out in Arizona. Let's start right with your viral tweet because it got my attention. It got a lot of people's attention. And just want to hear you again, maybe explain it, what you meant in maybe more than 280 characters that you're allowed on Twitter. You tweet this. If you built the ideal quarterback from scratch, you'd build a quarterback closer to Jalen Hurts than Patrick Mahomes. That's just a fact with looking at what matters in today's NFL. Yeah, so I, you know, I think Chicago fans will probably end up liking this, uh, the reasoning behind this quite a bit. But I think in today's NFL, it is almost a requirement, and especially moving forward, to have a quarterback that can put a lot of pressure on the opposing defense as a runner. I just think that I've seen it this year in Philadelphia. You're seeing it around the league start to happen more and more. When you're, opposing, when you're facing a, D, a quarterback that you have to commit a defender to in the running game, it makes running the ball so much easier and so much more effective. So, obviously, that's just one part of it, right? Patrick Mahomes does a ton of amazing things. But the difference to me is, if I'm going to build my ideal quarterback, to have Jalen's legs and what he does, I think is such a huge advantage. And the reason I think it's comparable now is because of what what Jalen did as a passer this year. He really, really improved this year. They had one of the best passing offenses in the league this year. So is Mahomes a better passer? Yes, Mahomes is a better passer than Jalen Hurts. I might, it might not even you know, be close in some ways. But I know with Jalen Hurts, I can have an elite passing offense because the Eagles have that this year. 
But I don't know with Mahomes if he has to win the game, like, you know, in a a few games a year or whatever, with his legs and by committing to being a true threat in an RPO offense, I don't know if he can be that. So ultimately, if I'm building a quarterback from scratch, I'm happy if either comes out like Mahomes or Hurts because they're both outstanding quarterbacks. But I'll take the one that can run if I'm building my ideal guy. So, Elliot, when you look at the quarterback position right now, you're kind of basing everything on athleticism um, as one of the most important traits in, in today's NFL. When you look at this game specifically and you look at the, the mental challenges that each quarterback will be have placed on them, whether it's pressure, significant pressure by Philly, putting – Patrick Mahomes on the retreat or it's some type of creative defensive design by Kansas City that challenges the the mental game of Jalen of Jalen Hurts are, are you mm-hmm. taking the mental game out of it and just talking about the athleticism needed for the quarterback position of today no I'm, I'm, I'm including that I mean look Mahomes is obviously excellent excellent at it he's in his I believe fifth year right so he's probably further along than what Jalen is for sure. I mean, he's played more football. He's been in the league longer. But ultimately, I think there's there's a bit of a misconception about Jalen that, like, the offense he runs doesn't require a lot of processing. I'm not saying that it, it's, like, the most, the most complicated offense in the league. You know, I don't know every team's offensive structure. But I do know that when you talk to people in that building, like, Jalen audibles a ton at the line. He sees the defense and gets the offense into uh, a better play. Like he's aware of what he's seeing before the snap. So one benefit that Jalen has had is going from last year to this year, he's had the same coaching staff around him for the first time in his career, like including college, right? He's consistently had coaches change on him. So Mahomes is excellent at processing for sure, but, but Jalen is really good at it too. And really quick, you said something about, you know, emphasizing athleticism. That is a large part of this, but, but another part of it is Jalen can really throw the football. Like, obviously that's the, most important quality in a quarterback but because he can throw it so well now the running thing i think would be the difference talking with elliot shore parks who covers the eagles for wip in philadelphia he's out at the super bowl and elliot i think that you knew you're going to get the kind of reaction you got and i think people are reacting as much to the fact that you use the word facts that it is your opinion based on your perception yeah and your proximity maybe to sealing Jalen Hurts every snap that he's taken this year. And I do think that if I were to push back a little bit, I think this underestimates or underrates Patrick Mahomes' ability as a runner. I think he uses his feet when healthy to buy himself some time, and he's a better runner than he's maybe given credit for because he's such a supreme passing talent and has that arm that everybody envies. So I, I think that's where you ran into problems maybe because if it were more comparing – Jalen Hurts and, say, Tom Brady or a more stationary quarterback, it might have been something that was a little bit easier to defend or might not have gotten the reaction it did. Yeah, and, you know, I think that also when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, there's this kind of thing where anybody that says he's not the best quarterback in the league, you know, gets backlash on that. And, look, Mahomes Mahomes has earned that, right? But I didn't say that Jalen's a better quarterback than Patrick right now. I'm saying if you're building a skill set, like, from scratch, right? So you were right that Mahomes – is certainly able to make plays with his legs. We even saw it in the championship game where he ran out of bounds, got pushed, like, and that was a huge play in helping them get that uh, game-winning field goal. So it isn't that Mahomes isn't mobile. I'm just saying the difference between, and you guys know it in Chicago, there's a difference between what Mahomes does and what someone like Jalen does and what someone like Justin Fields does, right? So, uh, you know, if, if Justin can develop into a better passer, I think you guys will see, like, what, what that means to have him as a runner when he can also pass 
And I've seen that this, this year with Jalen. You know, Elliot, I, I think it's such an important uh, part that you did bring up is uh, having uh, Jalen to be in the same system for two years because Justin Fields has never had that, and I think the improvement yeah. can help him significantly if he can. So now, with the success of Jalen Hurts, is it going to challenge the coaching staff of Philadelphia to always stay together? Or when you see the Im- significant improvement Jalen Hurts has made over a short amount of time, is that coach always going to, you know, be threatened of being hired away and Jalen is going to have to make some changes accordingly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think with, with any team that has success, you are certainly going to see coaches move on. Both the Eagles coordinators, you know, on the offense and defensive side of the ball uh, have interviewed for head coaching jobs this year. At this point, there's not many left. So, you know, who knows if they'll end up getting one. But, I mean, even his quarterback coach, Brian Johnson, uh, here in Philadelphia, you know, he's known Jalen since he was a kid. They, uh, you know, he tried to recruit him in college. So Jalen does have coaches around him right now that he has a lot of familiarity with. If they lose those coaches, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. But, but, but that's a challenge, you know, any team really faces. So I think that the fact that they've had now two full years together, because Nick Sirianni, the head coach, isn't going anywhere. I think that, you know, that's an important time because they were able to build the offense and get comfortable with it. Now, if they bring new coordinators in, you're bringing in people that, you know, are comfortable with that offense, that maybe add little wrinkles. But ultimately, what Jalen does and what he's good at, this franchise now has a good read on. Before we let you go, how has Nick Sirianni handled Super Bowl week in terms of the demands on his time, the public nature of everything that he says is amplified. This is a guy who is is himself, it seems, all of the time. Has he been himself this week? Yeah. And look, I mean, you know, you, you can say it. I think a lot of people think it. The last time everyone talked about a Nick Sirianni press conference was when he was hired, <laughs> and everyone made fun of what a terrible job he did, right? Like, Nick himself will tell you, and he's used it as a coaching point with the team, actually, in meetings, of saying, you know, I had a terrible first press conference, but I, I, you know, I adjusted, I grew from it. And I think this week at the Super Bowl, you've seen the, the improved version of Nick. And I think the, the full league has kind of seen that. Uh, he seems very comfortable. He's been himself up there. Uh, in terms of how he's structuring the week here for the Eagles. He's keeping it the same. Uh, Their practice schedule will be the same. Being around him and the team, they don't seem to be overwhelmed by the moment. So, yeah, I mean, look, from what both Nick and Jalen have gone come from two years ago when, uh, you know, Jalen was a Wildcat quarterback essentially and Nick was getting roasted by the entire league for his press conference. Yeah, I mean, you can really see this week how far they both come. Elliot, um, if you play this game, Philadelphia wins. Either of the quarterbacks are not the MVP. Who is the MVP for the Eagles outside of Jalen? Yeah, so, you know, I think there's a clear, like, best kind of betting favorite if you want to talk about odds. But, like, Hassan Reddick to me is, is, a, is a very, very good kind of bet on who it would be if it's not Jalen. Uh, if there was a MVP of the NFC Championship game, it probably would have been Hassan Reddick. And, you look at the edge rushers in the NFL since December started and, you know, the games really started to matter. There's not a single edge rusher in the league that's played better statistically than Hassan Reddick in terms of getting to the quarterback, making plays when he gets there. He forces a ton of fumbles. And while the Chiefs offensive line is very good, their tackles are the weak part of their line. And if Reddick plays like he's been playing, I think that if it's not Jalen, because I know they love to give it to the quarterback, there's a really good chance it'll be Hassan Reddick. Elliot, thanks for your time. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Elliot Shore Parks from WIP covers the Eagles in Philadelphia. And, yes, Super Bowl Sunday is approaching. And right here, Westwood One brings you the big game live no matter where you are. Listen 
as the Eagles battle the Chiefs. Live from Glendale, Arizona, coverage starts at 1 p.m. Sunday. Kickoff at 5.30. Download the Odyssey app today. Tom, I know what he was saying. I know that the point he was trying to make. But as as we discussed, I, I just believe it, it underrates Patrick Mahomes' mobility. And it is a comparison or a statement that you want to make, that you want to tweet, uh, 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 <laughs> ground you want to claim maybe, when the quarterback is maybe more immobile than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you know. I, I just don't think it, it, it was a – I don't think it's a it's a defensible argument when your pat when your quarterback is. Well, this isn't a fact finding mission because there's a lot of there's a lot of things that change. And according to his tweet, this was fact that you know he he was talking about the the evolution of Jalen Hurts. And you know when you we look at it from a Chicago standpoint, that's what we all hope to happen to Justin Fields. However, it's hard to deny the greatness of Patrick Mahomes in his ad lib ability in the understanding of this offense to maybe where um you know Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are living off of Patrick Mahomes rather than Patrick Mahomes living off of Andy Reid and that's the coaches. A, that's an interesting uh, way to put it. Well, you know Jalen Hurts is still having this offense installed according to the offensive coaches in Philly. Patrick Mahomes is more part of the 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 building of the offense. Let me ask you this. We both like the Eagles, but I think we both like the Eagles maybe because the defense is so overwhelming in the pass rush. Do you view this as a referendum on whether or not teams can win a championship with a running quarterback? And I know Jalen Hurts has come a long way as a passer, but that Elliott is making his point because of uh, – Jalen Hurts' ability as a runner. In Chicago, we're excited about J- Justin Fields as a runner first. Is this a referendum on whether or not teams can win a title with a running quarterback? Well, you know, I still think if you are if you have the traits of a running quarterback, you still have a, to be a passing quarterback as well. You're not going to be one-dimensional in the NFL because all of that to do is going to frustrate you or get you hurt. And even when you look at the, the career a guy like Cam Newton had when you're talking about 6'5", 255 pounds, he's a big guy. In the running quarterback, the running style eventually takes a toll on you. I still think that you have to be as effective as a passer as you are as a runner you know when you look at Josh Allen Josh Allen you know he is a great runner and a great passer but you know it still takes a toll on him you know after after all the pounding he has to take and in as if a quarterback you got to be in control of it and I think that's one thing about Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes they're in control of the amount of abuse they take Tom Brady tried to be that way at the end of his career but he couldn't avoid the abuse of the game and he was taking a pounding he's Tom Thayer he's in for Mully today when we come back, it's time to talk to the prop king, Nick Costos. Joins us next, Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. I want winners. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Tom Thayer in for Molly today. Time to bring in the host of You Better You Bet and Odyssey Sports Betting insider Nick Costos, the prop king. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go out all go check out all of the latest lines today and Bet MGM app. Also be sure to listen to You Better You Bet podcast for more of Nick Costas analysis. Just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast. And like all of our guests, Nick joins us on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. 
Good morning, Nick. How's the weather? Uh, you know, it's actually great to be on with you guys, uh, David and Tom. Uh, it's actually like really cold in the morning and at night here in Phoenix. I was expecting like getting away from the Northeast in New York. And I know you guys don't have it exactly easy either in Chicago in the winter. I thought I was getting out of here to like a tropical climate. It's like 30, like 35 degrees in the morning and at night here. Otherwise pretty good. So yeah, weather's pretty good here. I'm enjoying it. Well, why don't let anyone know if they are in the area out in Glendale. And I'm sure that there are some people traveling, listening to this on their Odyssey app. You can stop by. You can visit Nick because the MGM Sportsbook in Glendale Right next to State Farm Stadium, check out Nick and you better you bet and the BetQL live crew from one to five Arizona time and the BetQL network all day and all week through Friday. What a nice gig, Nick! This is a great opportunity to enjoy some sunshine, to get in on the action, and to get some good advice from the BetQL crew. Yeah, hell yeah, man! It's awesome. I love love doing it. We got the show coming up today and then tomorrow from 1 to 5, fly home on Saturday, and then we're back on the air on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, Nick, what's the latest bet? I mean, what you know, you, you, get, you, know, you read all these lists of the different bets, and you can make some bets maybe a couple days out before the game, but is there some type of attractive bet that people wait to the last minute to make? Um, yeah, I think like, I think for the most part, I think people will probably wait to, I think the, the majority of betters will probably wait until game day to make a bet. And, and the Super Bowl is the most expansive menu. It's like make the big cheesecake factory blush. I mean, it's just, you, you can bet on anything. You can bet on Leo Messi, who's playing on Saturday for PSG in, in the French soccer league. Messi obviously the Argentinian like superstar. You could bet Messi goals versus Travis Kelsey touchdowns, who will have more? You can bet Rory McIlroy's Sunday score at the Waste Management Open uh, here in Phoenix also against Miles Sanders' rushing yards in the game. So there's, like, there are so many things that you can bet on, and I think it's really just, like, hey, like, like kind of, like, like, pick your flavor, right? Like, like what do you want to bet? You could bet Rihanna. Like, what's the first song going to be at halftime? Hopefully I'll actually know the answer to that question today because the rehearsals, I think, are happening today. And hopefully we'll get some inside information on that. You could bet the coin toss, which I always do. It's scientifically proven that tails never fails, unless it does. But I'll bet the coin toss, and then obviously we'll have a lot of bets on the actual game itself as well. Is there any is there any Kelsey combo bets? Any you know, I know one place center, one place tight end. Is it the mom flipping the coin at the start of the game, or is there any Kelsey bets? Well, yeah, I think there's one where it's um during the national anthem, who will the camera go to first? Travis or Jason Kelsey. Yeah, it's like this stuff is this stuff is sick. Uh Travis Kel and sick, like not in a good way. Travis Kelsey t- Travis is like minus one thirty. And Jason, I think, is plus 115, which feels about right to me. I mean, Travis is the more marketable star, obviously. Jason Kelsey even said, like, Travis is better looking than me. He's a better player than me. So I, 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 w- I would bet Travis if I had to do something there. That's why you're the prop king, Nick. That is, you have all of the information at your disposal. Okay, so for people in Chicago, for anyone on their free Odyssey app who tune in at 845 on Thursdays to get your advice for this big game, what would your best advice be? Okay, so let's talk about the side of the game first. I'm going to give you guys like the same answer that I gave you when we did this last year when we talked about the Rams and the Bengals. I am not going to have a bet on the side of the game, like on the 60-minute game, like Eagles and Chiefs. I think the point spread is absolutely perfect. 
it is like a pick pick the winner game. I don't really want like want to bet on it. My opinion is that Kansas City is going to win a really close game. I don't feel good enough about it to bet on it, right? Sports betting is not like fortune telling. Like you're not a fortune teller. I'm not a fortune teller. It's based on probability, right? And I don't really feel good about the probability of picking a team to win this game. What I do feel good about, though, and it's going to be the same bet that I gave you guys last year, and thankfully you cashed because I, I, I bet a lot of money on it. Um, and it was great. We bet the Rams in the first half last year in the Super Bowl. I'm going to bet the Eagles on the first half money line here in this Super Bowl. Philly has been one of the best first half teams this year in literally in the history of the National Football League. They race out to leads and sometimes they kind of like play with their food and get bored a little bit and allow teams to, to come back in the game or they just lean on you the entire second half and just absolutely dominate. Now, my, my take on how the game is going to play out will be. Philly uses this advantage in the trenches on both sides of the ball to build an early lead. We've also seen Kansas City and its two previous Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid get off the slower starts. So uh, that's what I feel good about is Philly building the lead. And then I think Mahomes and the Chiefs will come back in the second half, like the singular greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Now, is, that, is it enough for Kansas City to win the game and cover like the game bet? Maybe, maybe not. But I just want to see the first half play out. So I think Philly will be winning at the end of the first half. You can bet that at BetMGM minus 120. There is a difference between betting Philly minus a half a point and betting them on the money line. I would rather pay a little bit more to bet them on the money line. That way, if the game, if the first half ends in a tie, you get your money back. They have to be winning by at least one if you bet them on the spread in the first half. So that's how I'm, I look to play it. And then if I feel like Kansas City is going to come back based on how the game has played out, I'll bet Kansas City second half. But I won't know that until we see the first 30 minutes of the game. So that's how I see the side of the game playing out. Hey Nick, do you, is this a is this a game for pros or for amateurs? Where do you see the money going when you think about a game that has this type of impact in the in the betting world? Well, I think like I think this is like the game where like it, it, you know my my fiance right does not watch football at all. She'll watch the Super Bowl though. So I think this is like the ultimate game for like for amateurs to get involved. Like there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I, it doesn't mean that just because someone's an amateur, like they can't win their bets. Pros lose bets all the time. I lose bets all the time, constantly. So I mean, it doesn't mean that that, that they can't win. But I do think it's the most heavily bet the you know, game that we'll have here in in America. Um, so as far as like the prop bets are concerned, I'll, I'll give a couple out here. Just one. These are the ones that I like the best based on the on-field handicap of the game and how I see the game playing out. Everybody this loves Kenny Gainwell, like Philadelphia's number two running back. And I think there's a case to be made. He's been their best running back through the postseason thus far. Now, Miles Sanders has been nicked up a little bit. The game flow has been that Philly is blowing out their, their two opponents, the Giants and the 49ers. So, like, you know, and Boston Scott get a lot of run in those games, right, as well as Miles Sanders. Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott – generally only get a lot of carries when Philly is like leaning on the opposition, when they have like a big lead in the game and they're like basically running it down, down the opponent's throat. I don't see the game playing out where Philadelphia blows out Kansas City in this game. I just don't see that happening. And look, maybe you, the person listening, you guys hosting the show, maybe you do. And if that's the case, like you should bet Kenny Gainwell over rushing yards. This is a number that's normally at like nine and a half, ten and a half. It's 19 and a half here in the Super Bowl. So maybe he has a big game catching the football in a high-scoring game. Philly throws the ball way more um, in, in, uh, neutral, uh, in neutral situations when they're trailing or like the game state is like it's a close game. They throw way more over expectation than a lot of other teams do. So maybe Gainwell catches a lot of passes. I don't see him having a really productive rushing game. On the Kansas City side, I want to go under on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're like deep threat on the outside. 
Philly has two excellent boundary cornerbacks and Darius Slay and James Bradbury. I don't see MVS having a big game against those guys. Um, I think the area of attack for Kansas City is over the middle of the field against this Philadelphia defense as far as the on-field handicap goes. Maybe that means Travis Kelsey has a monster game. The receiver that I would like to target is Juju Smith-Schuster. There were injury concerns about Juju coming into this week. He practiced yesterday in full, which means he's on track to play in the game and like should have no limitations. Juju over the middle because of the injury stuff. His receiving yards prop is in like the like the low to mid thirties. Uh, I think Juju can have a nice game here. I'll bet the over on Juju Smith Schuster. Great stuff, Nick. Have fun out there. Enjoy the game and tell Mitch we miss him. <laughs> you got it. Wishing you guys and all your listeners minimal sweats when he bets the absolute very best of luck. Enjoy the Super Bowl. That was the host of You Better You Bet and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. When we come back, back out to Arizona, Stacey Dales from the NFL Network will join us. Tom Thayer's in for Molly. It's Molly and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.